welcome to The V-Hive, a platform focused on women's intimate health. With weekly episodes from the field's top practitioners, we discuss all of the things you've always thought about but never wanted to talk about. On this podcast, we are making the highest quality information on the most beloved part of your body accessible, understandable, and implementable. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck, and I started this platform as a result of my own experience with chronic pelvic pain. Throughout the years I spent healing my body, I became overwhelmingly interested and passionate about these topics and have made it my mission to create awareness and education on the complexities of the female body. Today, I'm here with Julia Hochstadt. She is a psychotherapist who specializes in working with victims of crime, trauma, and interpersonal violence. She has an extensive background providing services to survivors of child abuse, rape, sexual assault, and domestic violence. For nearly 20 years, she's been working with survivors of trauma and crime in hospital-based and private practice settings. She previously led New York Presbyterian's Victim Intervention Program, providing acute emergency room support counseling and case management services to crime and trauma victims and their families. Prior to that, she worked at the Sexual Assault and Violence Intervention Program at Mount Sinai Hospital in a similar capacity. So Julia, thank you for being here, virtually being here and just taking the time out of our crazy lives to do this right now, especially because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So now is a very, it's the perfect time for us to be discussing this. But I wanna ask you before we get into the work that you do, what initially led you to this career because it is amazing what you do. Oh, well thank you so much. And and similarly, Hannah, thank you so much for um, inviting me on as a guest. I'm really glad to be here. And um, I'm glad to be here right now um, in terms of what we're experiencing throughout the globe, but also specifically, as you said, um, in the month of April, which is historically um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month in the United States. So um, I I kind of fell into working with survivors, and survivor is a word that I use. It's not a word that I impose on anybody that I work with, but mm-hmm. when I say survivor, um, I'm referring to people who have been the primary recipient of some kind of crime or traumatic event. Um, I kind of fell into the work. Um, I really turned to a member of my family um, at a certain point. This was before I had gone to college and said, um, you know, I don't really want to work in retail. I don't want to work in a store. I don't want to scoop ice cream this summer. You know, I want to do something working with, at that time I said, I want to do something working with women and children. Um, And so uh, I was directed towards the Rockland Family Shelter, which was, um, Uh, an organization in my hometown which uh, worked with survivors of domestic violence or intimate partner violence Um, 
And from there, I just, um, you know, had no idea that this place existed, which was intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of, a lot of service agencies who work with, um, domestic violence survivors don't advertise far and wide for safety reasons. Um, so I had no idea that this place existed and didn't really know much about domestic violence or sexual violence and just fell in love with the work. Um, I like to say I was bitten by the bug uh, mm-hmm. at that point. So from then on, um, anytime I had opportunities to take an elective course or write a paper or read an article or study up on something, um, I always found my way back to uh, studying and researching, volunteering, interning, working um, in anti-violence work. And I've been there ever since crazy and amazing but I so I've never had anyone on the podcast ironically enough who specializes in sexual assault and is a psychotherapist who works with patients who have chronic pain so I when I was connected with you I mean first I just couldn't believe that this is such an important and prevalent topic that I haven't yet addressed but you are also like such a perfect person to have addressed it so I just am really glad that we're doing this and I think that for my community of listeners who have chronic pelvic pain it is really important to address trauma sexual abuse and all different factors that lead to chronic pelvic pain so I want to talk about the relationship between trauma and chronic pain but how this kind of shows up in your practice and how you counsel your clients through this? So that's a great question. And actually, um, it's so interesting to me because in the last couple of years, so I've been, I've been working with survivors for over 20 years at this point, but it's not, it's not for the last couple of years. Um, or it's not more than the last couple of years, I'd say that I've really seen an explosion of this kind of conversation mm-hmm. in my practice with my with my clients and you know I don't know if it's a I'm sure it is a combination of more more clients um, feeling inclined to talk about their pelvic their pelvic pain or pelvic floor dysfunction um, or their frankly their their pain in general Mm -hmm. um but specifically related to pelvic floor um I don't know if it's that I as a result am more keyed into these kinds of struggles for people and so maybe I'm asking about them differently um you know I I have always prided myself on being the kind of clinician that um you know I if I if I see something you know like the MTA right I see something I say something right um I ask people about their feelings their physical feelings their emotional feelings um in so many different ways and yet again like this is not something that has come up in my practice in the ways that I've seen it really kind of explode over Mm -hmm. the last couple of years um which I think is just really interesting why do you think that it's exploded because I totally agree with you but what is your take on that so um well, for me personally, I think it's it's now become just part of it's part of my consciousness in a way that it wasn't before, which is you know in part due to large due to in large part to the, my clients who have you know brought brought these experiences of theirs to my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I think it's also by way of um, how my network has expanded and that I work very closely now with um, different uh, pelvic floor physical therapists in a different mm-hmm. way than I had at, at earlier times in my practice. Yeah. Um, but I, I really think that, um, you know, it's, it's certainly as a, as a result of what kinds of clients I've been seeing and how they've been brave enough to share and talk about their pelvic floor journeys and their experiences um, in in their treatment with me and their therapy with me. Um, I think that in terms of like the relationship, as you said, between trauma and chronic pain, um, there's so much overlap here. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, certainly there's a category of people who have pain and who have chronic pain as the result of, or maybe sort of intrinsically connected to some kind of traumatic event right Mm -hmm. like if if that was a sexual assault or if somebody had a car accident or if somebody slipped on some ice and fell and you know had a serious medical condition as you know medical injury rather as a result of some kind of traumatic event I mean that kind of um you know, connection certainly exists, but I think that the flip side could also be true that in and of itself, um, struggling with chronic pain, let's say that, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a physician. I don't have medical expertise. Um, but you know, if somebody has chronic pain, not necessarily as the result of a traumatic event, you know, mm-hmm. something happened and then I feel pain, but rather that having chronic pain, struggling with pain that's never ending, right, um, or that hasn't had an end so far, that experience in and of itself can create trauma, mm-hmm. right? That there's a traumatic experience, I think, um, that many people many people experience a never-ending sense of pain or discomfort as being traumatic in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I think that it's interesting just to to sort of think in terms of the the different ways that um, trauma and, and pain and chronic pain can overlap. Yeah. But so something that I also want to point out, want to have you point out is that, and this is something I've been realizing personally this has been a personal epiphany for me but I think that this is really relevant to so many other women and men as well but it's really that trauma and I know you specialize in crime and violence and sexual assault but I also think that when people hear the word trauma they immediately associate trauma with physical trauma or something physical but I also think that or I know that trauma can also be mental and emotional um, and that that can also cause chronic pain, pelvic pain and a host of other physical and mental and emotional symptoms. Um, and so for a while, you know, I had this woman on my podcast a while ago named Nicole Sachs and she specializes in chronic pain. She's a therapist and she has a whole course and program called freedom from chronic pain and it's all about like repressed emotions and repressed trauma and how that manifests in a body in the form of pain and I was always like associated that type of thing with physical trauma but Mm -hmm. um I've just I've seen her work pop up a lot recently I know a lot of people who do her work and what I've realized is that a lot of it can be mental and emotional trauma and mental and emotional abuse um, and how that is also like such a big 
problem that I think goes rather undiscussed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's an excellent point that, um, you know, when I think in terms, first of all, I think of trauma Mm -hmm. um, as being in many ways a a very subjective experience, right? So I often think in terms of big T trauma and little T trauma Mm -hmm. and whether somebody experiences, let's say a car accident as a horrific, terribly traumatic event or as a bad event, but not necessarily the worst, the worst case scenario event. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, as individual as, as any two people can be. Um, and, and furthermore, I agree with you. I do think that when people think of traumatic experiences or certainly abusive experiences, um, physical, physical events are, are for lots of people the first and for some people the only thing that really comes to mind. But actually, you know, especially when we're talking about um, victimization and violence, there are many different ways that um that an experience could be felt and experienced as traumatic and physical is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, you know, psychological, verbal, emotional, financial, sexual, right. um, I mean, there are, there are many different types of, um, of, uh, abusive experiences that a person can, can go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I'm concerned and, and in my work, I do, I do a fair amount of public speaking on these kinds of issues. I, I also testify as an expert um, for lots of um, local and surrounding um, uh, district attorneys and prosecutors' offices in the city and the tri-state area. Um, and you know what I what I explain is that there are different types of abusive. Um, behaviors and they they all count and they Mm -hmm. count equally and again it's a subjective experience for each person to decide which kind of which kind of event feels worse than the others Mm -hmm. yeah and so another question that I have for you is say a patient I like to use specific scenarios so say a patient comes to you and they were sexually abused and they have pelvic pain and they say I don't understand why that trauma caused me to have pain in that part of my body how do you explain that relationship or you know if it's easier to explain or if it makes more sense rather to explain I was sexually abused and I have migraines now like why I want people to understand the relationship between trauma, whether Mm -hmm. it's physical or mental, and then why that shows up in the form of pain. Right. Well, so, I mean, first I would say that um, there could be lots of different explanations for Mm -hmm. something like this. And again, I'm I'm not a doctor. I don't have, I don't, I've worked in hospitals for many, many years. And so I have some some knowledge through osmosis, I guess. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that um, the explanation of somebody's pain I think, you know, can, can take many forms in terms of my own thoughts on the psychology behind and like the connection between our brains and our bodies and having, you know, experienced traumatic events and then having associated pain, pain responses in our bodies. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot of research out there and a lot of science that talks specifically about this question. Um, you know, 
in my role as a psychotherapist and, you know, sitting with my clients and, and working with them with, with different kinds of tools, but by and large psychodynamic psychotherapy, um, you know, my take on how our bodies store traumatic events is that, you know, this stuff can get really stuck up for people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, if, or when somebody feels as though they're able, they're ready, they're willing to do some talking about the traumatic event or events that they may have experienced, um, there can be a great deal amount of catharsis that happens Mm -hmm. in and of, in and of the talking and the processing of traumatic material um, itself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in other words, I think that it makes a lot of sense that if, um, if traumatic material does not get, uh, and let me back up and say, there's no right or wrong way to survive a traumatic event, to experience a traumatic event. Some people want to talk about um, these kinds of things right away, right after something happens. Some people never want to talk about experiences that have been traumatic and then there are lots of people who fall somewhere in between mm-hmm. um if or when somebody is interested in you know for example coming into therapy and talking about this kind of stuff with somebody like me i i think that there can be a lot of value and catharsis in the talking about and processing through traumatic material because i think that i think that the traumatic material stays with us right if even if we're not talking about it or you know moving it around in some other way that doesn't mean that it's not there um but i think it does mean that it has the opportunity to show itself reveal itself in other ways now for some people that might be experienced by physical pain Mm -hmm. right that could be experienced by another person in a totally different way and again this is in no way to suggest that if you're not talking in psychotherapy about your traumatic experience then you are you are to blame for your chronic pain that's absolutely not what I'm saying um but um I, I do believe that there is a tremendous connection between um events that take place in our life and how our body stores and processes that material on a physical level yeah and that's actually a really good point that I want to discuss for a second so if because talking about it I believe as you just said is really 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 helpful therapeutic and healing Um, so if there are people listening right now who experience trauma who have pain and who know that talking to someone about it would help them will help them but they are resistant to take that step they're scared fearful um you know so many reasons why there would be resistance to finding someone to speak with what is your you know insight and advice into helping someone to get there that's a great question. Um, I, I would start by saying and acknowledging that um, if you have experienced something traumatic and you have pain and you are wondering about whether or not speaking to somebody, um, you know, for example, a therapist might be useful for you. Um, that's a perfectly reasonable place to be. Sometimes people stay in a place like that for a long, long time mm-hmm. prior to reaching out uh, 
to a therapist. And that's also reasonable. Like I said, you know, I, I, um, you know, I have some expertise in some things, but I absolutely defer to certainly my clients, but also every other human being out there um, as being the expert on themselves. I'm the expert on me. You're the expert on you. And, um, you know, I trust that people make the most right decisions for themselves mm-hmm. all throughout their lives. Right. And so, um, you know, if somebody is out there and contemplating reaching out to a therapist, but they have questions or they feel nervous or they're not sure if therapy's right for them or they don't know if their family would support them being in therapy or maybe they have financial concerns about about the cost of therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of that is very reasonable. Um, I would also say that, you know, that person out there should know that they're absolutely not alone, mm-hmm. um, that there are many, many people struggling with very similar things, and also that everybody's experience is unique, and that, you know, there are, uh, you know, there are therapists like me out there who specialize in trauma, who specialize in, uh, you know, working by and large with women, though I don't work exclusively with women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who, um, who, you know, really enjoy this kind of work and, and like being able to serve as resources to people who are struggling in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's important for people to know that, that they're not alone, that there are supports out there and that we're here waiting for you for whenever you feel like the time is right for you to reach out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am a fully huge proponent and believer in therapy, whether, you know, whatever form it is, whatever form of therapy works for you, whether it's a therapist, a psychiatrist, I think that having someone who is not biased, who's trained to talk to you about what you've been through is so helpful. But I want you to give, because I always like to hear specific examples, and I know that you obviously can't give specific examples but could you talk about some stories like general generalize some stories or some people's experiences you've seen where their pain and their anxiety and stress and depression and just life as a whole has transformed through working with you there are several examples. I hope that there are lots of examples. I think that there there are, but just kind of quickly off the top of my head, I mean, there are so many transformative experiences that I think clients have had in, in their treatment with me. Um, you know, uh, I feel a little sheepish kind of talking about it this way and like patting myself on the back. And I also would say that like, you know, a big part of my practice that I really enjoy is that with obviously with my client's permission, if they're working with other providers, whether that's pelvic floor physical therapist or uh, an OBGYN or their ophthalmologist or psychiatrist um, with their permission I really like to work collaboratively and so which is so so good and so important yeah I mean and it's uh, I think it's the best thing for the client it's also really great for me in terms of my practice Um, you know I think that when we're all moving in the same direction um, you know we may have different sort of goals in mind but if the more collaboratively we can work I think the better it is for everybody um so I don't want to you know I don't assume that that people do well only because of working with me but um you know I think that seeing people transform can take so many different shapes and forms Uh, you know I think that certainly there there 
can be physical transformations, but also sexual and emotional and psychological. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking of somebody that I worked with many years ago um, who was having lots of difficulty with seemingly unexplainable chronic pain. Mm-hmm. A lot of that pain um, was in was in the, the pelvic floor region, um, but there was also pain um, in the abdomen. There was pain at the scalp line. There and and this was somebody who um, really was very diligent about connecting to providers and and doing test after test and really was struggling to to figure out. Um, where this pain was coming from and for a long time it was it was not solvable um, which was really difficult for this person and um, this person and I worked together for many years um, and they were really able to to make some huge strides therapeutically mm-hmm. with a lot of um, in some instances repressed but also um, just things that this person had had known about consciously but had never spoken about with another person um again this person was working with other providers throughout the time that they and I were working together um and um you know so again I think that that the transformation of their pain again in all of the different ways that somebody could feel pain and that this person was in pain I think is due to lots of different things and maybe maybe lots of different providers myself included Mm -hmm. but when I think about this person now in terms of where they were when we started our work together and where they are now it's it's so tremendously different in so many ways Mm -hmm. um you know which is not to say that there aren't still struggles here and there I think there certainly are that's one example again one that takes place over a long time but I think that there's also a way to see a transformation like this again emotionally also physically when I'm sitting in a room with somebody and we we do some some grounding work or some mindfulness um, meditations or relaxation we're doing some breath work and I you know for example I'll, I'll ask people to sort of go through a head-to-toe exercise of relaxing their muscles bringing attention and bringing awareness to how literally from the top of your head down to the bottom of your your feet Mm -hmm. how it's feeling and we'll go through this together for about 20 minutes and asking people a simple thing like how does your jaw feel right now you know Mm -hmm. wiggle your jaw out are you clenching your jaw are you you know does your mouth feel um clenched does it feel tired does it feel exhausted do you need to sort of like roll your shoulder you know and to, to visibly watch people's bodies relax into themselves um is something that can happen kind of quickly so so a different kind of time frame than the person who I was describing earlier where their their work with me was over a series of years um you know I think that there are lots of different ways that that sitting sitting with another person and you know using different techniques to be differently present with ourselves and in our bodies, you can see the transformation happen all the time, which is really, uh, you know, such a, such a gratifying part of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, you know, it's great when you have supportive friends and family members and partners to talk to all of this about, but I also think that there is something really important and, and special and helpful to having someone who is 
not in your life, who's just a third party, who has no bias, and who can really look at the full picture from a totally fresh lens. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I say that to my clients all the time that, you know, I see people who come from all walks of life and different kinds of circumstances. Some people come to therapy having very little social support. Um, and so, you know, maybe reaching out to a therapist is a way of, you know, sort of constructing that for, mm-hmm. for themselves. Um, and then I see a lot of people who have wonderful family and wonderful friends and they're very social people and they have a ton of people that they're talking about their stuff with all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I see there being a benefit to and a role for therapy for, for both of those situations and many others. You know, I think, as you said, um, even with the most supportive friends and family, sometimes there are things that you just don't want to talk about with anybody who is in your life who may have some kind of, you know, ulterior motive of sorts, not mm-hmm. to say that it, in a negative way, right? But that, you know, if, if, if I know you personally, I may have some skin in the game right. if we talk about, like, I want Mexican food or I want Italian <laughs> food tonight. Maybe my stomach is saying I want Italian food, so I'm going to remind you how much you love chicken parm, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I think that having a space, a separate space um, from your colleagues, from your friends, from your family, from your neighbors, whoever your, your people may be, um, to have a dedicated space that's just your own, um, that's confident in a different way for a lot of people that feels differently safe mm-hmm. as opposed to like confiding in my very best friend in the world right totally and even for me personally um you know I have the most supportive family and and friends and boyfriend but when I talk to my therapist he will tell me something like I'll I'll present a problem to him or something that's bothering me and in one minute he'll be like oh you just look at it this way or just do this and I'm like oh my god you're a genius (laughs) like you know (laughs) he'll just tell me something that he sees it so clearly and I think that it's hard for your family and your friends and your husband wife boyfriend girlfriend whoever it is like when people are in your life they cannot see things as clearly and they also don't have the expertise to maybe guide you in a more uh what's it called logical way but there's been so many times where I've spoken to my therapist and he's just told me something or a way to look at something and I'll and it's the simplest thing it's not like a a crazy formula to figuring out a problem it's just like oh something as simple as why don't you just talk to them about it and I'm like oh my god I never (laughs) I never even and I'm someone who talks about everything but hearing it from someone also who's not your mom or not your friend Mm -hmm. also validates it a little bit more yeah absolutely and you know um just to go back and and further explain uh, Mm -hmm. you know in terms of the the inherent vested interest that I have with my clients which may be different than I may have with people in my personal life or with other people in the personal lives of of my clients um you know I care about people as soon as I hear from them for the first time that's why I went into this field right Mm -hmm. I, I went I wanted to be a therapist because you know, like, spoiler alert, this is a cliche, but like, I wanted to help people. And, um, you know, so I, I have a vested interest in my clients and and wanting to see them do well, but it's definite. And I, and I absolutely have um, an emotional connection to the people that I work with. Mm -hmm. But 
as you said, it's just, it's a very different kind of connection, emotional connection that you may have with your mom or with your cousin or with your friends. Um, and that different, those differences lend themselves to different ways of communicating, right? So I, I might be able to say something differently to a client than I would necessarily be able to say it to somebody in my family Mm -hmm. and vice versa a client as you said may hear may hear things differently when they are coming from or how they're communicated by their therapist as opposed to by their roommate Mm -hmm. yeah a hundred percent and so now we just have to talk for a few minutes quickly about the fact that what is going on in the world right now is fully traumatic it's traumatic for the people at home to instantly have to have drop everything and adapt to a different way of life. It's traumatic, of course, for the people who are losing family and friends and coworkers, for people who are losing their jobs. It's traumatic for healthcare workers. Um, it's it's just it's traumatic in every single way it could possibly be traumatic it's traumatic so I want to you know I want to make this also relevant and since I have you here I just want to spend a few minutes and discuss how well first what your thoughts are on all of this as a psychotherapist and then if you have any suggestions as to how people can cope with this trauma and I think that that can also tie into how people can cope who have chronic pain. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a lot. That was a lot. No, but it's, um, it's really spot on. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yes, absolutely. Um, uh, for many people, the state of the world right now and the sustained state of the world, unfortunately, for the last, I don't know, depending on where you're at, how many weeks we are all into this, um, is certainly being experienced as traumatic by some people. Again, keeping in mind what I said earlier, some people it's big T, some people it's little T. Right. And for, for some people that may change depending on the day um, and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have... <laughs> I don't know how much time we have if we have weeks to talk, but I, I have know. so many. I have so many thoughts on this. I, um, I mean, I think it's such it's such a fascinating time to be a therapist right now. You know, there's there's so much going on for people, and you know, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but even I was thinking when I was speaking with my therapist, I'm like, it's not it's not funny, but I was like, it's kind of funny because they don't even know what to say about it. Like, you know, everyone's coming to them with like, what do I do? They don't know what to do. Like, no one knows, you know, it's, this is something no one's been through before. So it's like, how do you even walk someone through the the anxiety? Right. Well, I mean, and that, that's a great point. And I read something um, the other day that really, I think, um, sort of exemplified the point that you're making here, which is that um, they were interviewing, I think it, this was an article in the Times, I forget mm-hmm. exactly where, but they were interviewing people working at a crisis hotline. Mm-hmm. And one of the workers of the hotline said, you know, this is unprecedented in so many ways, but never has there been a time that for the most part, the people who were calling the crisis hotline and the very people who were answering their calls were experiencing so many of the same things at the same time. Right. Wow. That's Um, actually really, really fascinating. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, so, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot that could be said maybe at another time about my experience mm-hmm. as a therapist, but also at my experience as a person in the, in the world trying to navigate all of this stuff, you know, at the same time and sort of like, you know, how I experienced this on different levels in my personal life, but also my professional life and, you know, in, in helping others cope with what they're experiencing too. But in terms of what you asked me a, a minute ago, um, you know, I think that there's so much that can be said about this and starting with, um, you know, how somebody may be moving through this time. Like I said earlier, there's no right way or wrong way to experience a traumatic event. And whether you experience this time right now as being traumatic or not traumatic, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, You may be having a very similar or different experience than, than other people around you. And that's also okay. You know, I think I'm hearing from a lot of people that, you know, I'm not handling this as well as my friends or my friends seem to be doing X, Y, and Z and I'm doing ABC and who's right and who's wrong. You know, I think I'm hearing a lot of that in terms of, you know, what's coming up for people. One of the things that I'm hearing over and over again has to do with this idea of, loss and that there's so much loss right now um in all different forms so there are certainly people who um, are falling ill to this terrible virus and who um, people are losing loved ones or family and friends and there's that kind of loss Um, but there's also lots of other different kinds of losses right losses around experiences that you would otherwise have been having right now or time spent with family or friends or planning your wedding or birthday celebration or sharing a meal with 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 a boyfriend or girlfriend or partner and it's okay to feel grief around those losses without the need for comparing them and right? I think also, also hearing... without the need for feeling guilty that your loss isn't as great as someone else's loss exactly exactly that um you know it's a lot of comparing apples to oranges mm-hmm. as opposed to apples to apples I encourage people to imagine that what if whatever it is that you're experiencing right now is valid in and of itself right without the need to judge it or compare it or you know should it like I encourage people not to should on themselves right, right. I should be doing better I, I should be doing this I should you know I should be exercising more during this time I should be writing that novel that I've always meant to write and now I have all this free time like you know I think that keeping our standards and expectations low and at a reasonable spot um that you know with acknowledging that we're all doing the very best that we can can be helpful to keep in mind during a time like this Mm -hmm. and again I I feel like I'm always bringing it back to me but something but I the reason that I'm okay with bringing it back to me is because I know if I'm experiencing it there must be so many other people feeling the same way because at the end of the day we all are having similar feelings um in in their own capacity but as I said before, like I keep saying, you know, I'm sad about this, but I shouldn't be sad because I'm healthy and my family's healthy and there's people who have it so much worse. But I think that that, you know, it's okay. I'm allowed to be sad for my, for my, what's making me sad without having to feel like compa- I have to compare that to someone else, you know? Right, right. And, you know, in terms of what we were saying earlier about this, allowing whatever it is that you're feeling to come up mm-hmm. and to process it or, or move through it 100%. however feels 
best for you, whether that's in therapy or that's taking a run or that's, you know, practicing yoga, listening to music, whatever it may be, because if this stuff doesn't get an opportunity to be felt and expressed in whatever way feels most right for you and on whatever timeline feels most appropriate for you, then I, my sense is that it gets stuck in process in other ways. And sometimes those other ways are in feeling it physically through our bodies. Totally. And one other thing I just want to briefly talk about is that something I've noticed is, you know, everyone okay obviously we're we cannot physically be with friends or certain family members or a boyfriend or whoever husband kid you know whoever it is but so there's all this zoom and and more facetiming and phone calling and i think while it's important to stay connected i think that also being overly connected can can be problematic because at least i found that you know, when you're calling friends and family and talking to people, everyone's experiencing some sort of problem right now. Like no one's situation is ideal. And I think that you can just drown yourself in other people's sadness. So I think that kind of being mindful of limiting the amount of time you spend talking to other people, because inevitably, you know, something's going to come up. Everyone's having a struggle right now. So I've just had to tell myself, like, maybe today I just don't, I don't talk to anyone on the phone. And I just focus on myself today and my work and I read and I work out and I just put my phone away. Um, and then, you know, some days I talk to some people and I, and I try and limit the amount of time on the phone because I think that it can really suck the energy out of you when you spend too much time hearing about other people's struggles right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so glad that you're saying that because, first of all, it's a great plug for therapy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, um, it's a great point, right, that the um, connecting right now is, is so critical for so many of us, but also disconnecting is also really important, too. And being, being mindful of and being able to strike that kind of balance, find that balance, and work to cultivate a practice that works well for you around feeling connected, but also being able to disconnect. Um, I was actually, funnily enough, I was just having this conversation with somebody earlier today um, that they were describing all of a sudden this week, this, this sense of real anger and frustration mm -hmm. that was coming up for them by getting text messages from people in their family. Right. Um, you know, this person was saying like, you know, I don't understand. Don't, don't they have a sense that like, I just don't want to talk right now or, you know, I'm sure they're bored and they're, they have time to talk, but like, I'm not bored right now and, and I'm doing my work. Right. And it was for so many different reasons. Mm -hmm. This person was saying that, that they were feeling really differently this week than they had been the week before and the week before that about, staying connected to their family and their friends through the use of all the different devices that yeah. we're working on now. Um, it's also, I was, uh, again, I was reading something a couple of days ago that was talking about how difficult it is for us as human beings. And, you know, at our core, we're social creatures, right? That's part of our biology. That's part of who we are um, as as human beings. Um, we're social creatures, and we're we're having to change so quickly and adapt our 
ability to socialize and it's been so limited in different ways and you know it's taking there's a big learning curve there's a physical learning curve for our bodies but also an emotional and psychological one to be both connected and with people and not with people at the same time. So for example, you and I are having a conversation right now. Mm -hmm. I feel with you right now. And also here I am sitting at my home and you're, you're wherever you are sitting at your home, let's say. And so at the same time, our brains are processing that we're both with one another and also very far apart from mm-hmm. one another. And that, you know, that's something that we experience on a biological and an unconscious level. In addition to the words that I'm using and now I'm thinking about this and we may be talking about it. And that takes an enormous toll on our brains and on our bodies. And I think it'll be really interesting. I imagine that there'll be some I I imagine that there'll be lots written about studied about researched about the time that we're all living through right now and the toll that it takes on us in so many different ways Mm -hmm. yeah a hundred percent and I just it's funny that you I mean I keep saying it's funny it's really not funny nothing about this is funny but the fact that you said that you have one of your clients you know one week wakes up angry one week wakes up feeling this way and that's the same with me like one day I'm happy and productive one day I'm sad one day I'm angry one day I'm just confused one day and I think that that that's what we're also all figuring out how to process is like all of these different emotions coming up every day based on who we talk to, what we watch on the news, how we just feel ourselves physically and mentally. And and it's a lot. But again, as you said, it's a good time for therapy if that's something that's accessible to you. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to underscore what you're saying, um, there are peaks and there are valleys and, and there are ebbs and there are flows to all of this. And some days, some hours, you may feel one way and then the next you may feel totally differently. And, you know, I would encourage people to, again, you know, first and foremost, utilize whatever practices feel most safe and comfortable and accessible for you as an individual, but also to let these things come up if that feels okay for you and let them pass you by mm-hmm. and then and and take things in stride and if you can do so with you know a certain degree of flexibility and kindness towards ourselves and keeping in mind as i said that people do the best that they can especially during times of high stress and mm-hmm. uncertainty which yeah. certainly i would say that that this time right now absolutely is and it's absolutely something that is felt in a different way you know there's there's um a difference between an individual traumatic event and a a more collective traumatic event that may be experienced like we were saying earlier by by many if not virtually all of the people that surround us right and i don't know that there's ever been a time like this before where um the collective impact the communal impact of what we're going through right now is so widely felt that you know that maybe your therapist and maybe your neighbor and maybe the person who's bagging your groceries and also somebody who lives on the other side of the world that to some extent we're all moving through something very similarly together Mm -hmm. Totally. And if you had to give a few, I mean, I know I'm sure you could go on for quite some time and maybe we do a part two because there's a lot of information I feel like we haven't covered, 
but we have covered a lot. So I'm happy about that. Um, but if you had to give a few coping mechanisms and strategies that people can use and just take away from this episode, if they're feeling anxious, stressed, upset, angry, whatever the emotion is, um, what, what are some coping mechanisms that people can kind of pick up and try and use on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, first and foremost, I think knowing knowing and trusting your own body and, and your own experience and, and really honoring and validating your own expertise and your experience. Um, you know, if you're feeling something, if you're, if you're having a response to something, um, and I, and I realize that for a lot of people, this is not an easy thing to do. Um, but you know, if you're able to tap into what's coming up for you and, and what you need when, um, we each have a lot of expertise when it comes to, to our own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think don't underestimate the value of simply talking. Um, like I said, you know, in terms of psychodynamic psychotherapy, um, talking to someone can be such a cathartic, really powerful intervention in and of itself. Um, so, so if people are considering therapy now might be a really great time to start or to dive back in again, um, practicing self care in whatever form that may take for you. So if that's, um, if that's using an app and there are a lot of really really wonderful apps that are out there. Um, many of them right now are offering, um, you know, a first month free or a, maybe even longer than that free just to make things more accessible to people right now. Um, you know, practicing breathing, being aware of your breathing. If you have a mindfulness or um, a, a grounding or yoga practice that that feels good for you um journaling for a lot of people can be a really cathartic experience um there are lots of different ways to keep a journal Mm -hmm. for some people that's like a a dear diary with paragraphs as entries and for other people it might be having a piece of paper that you just park thoughts that you're having so that you don't forget them or if they feel unpleasant you don't you want to be able to pick them up at another time but they're not constructive for you in that moment I mean there are lots of different techniques depending again on what what feels necessary and what feels comfortable for that person in the moment Mm -hmm. um you know I think giving ourselves permission to pay attention to to our bodies and to our needs whether those are emotional um or physical or some other kind um and really giving ourselves the permission to attend to those needs in whatever ways feel feel most accessible to us and thank you for bringing up the point that you have repeatedly made about letting your feelings come up and just processing them and yes it can be hard but it's so important um because I also want to reiterate that point and just say that like this is something I've been telling myself like it's okay to be sad and I think that as a society we're so used to having you know if we're sad but okay but we have to get up and we have to go to work and we have to go to dinner and we have to put on a happy face and we have to do all of these things and I think that we right now have to tell ourselves it's okay to feel this way like these feelings will pass but it's okay like if you wake up and and you're you're angry like okay so today you're going to be angry and what can you do to to be kind to yourself and you know to utilize self-care methods and breathing and all of these things but meanwhile it's okay if you feel that way and I think not being so hard on ourselves to get rid of the bad feelings and bad thoughts is is helpful 
And so the second thing I wanted to say was that I listened to, I think it was an IG Instagram live and it was with this woman named Glennon Doyle and yes, it was, no, it was just, it was Glennon Doyle doing uh, IGTV. That's what it was. And she was talking about the pressure that everyone's putting, no, I don't want to say everyone's putting on themselves, but kind of the societal pressure right now where people are saying, okay, now's the time to pick up a new skill and learn this and take an online course and become the best version of you. And while that, while this might be the time for some people to do that, I I totally understand, you know, some people may have time at home that they've never before had in their lives, but she made a point, which I thought was really, really amazing that for a lot of people, this is not the time to become the better you. Like this is the time to just be and to not have pressure to learn and work and create. And if you normally spend eight hours in an office and now you spend you can only spend one hour a day like that's okay one hour a day working that's okay and it's really a time to just make sure that you know if you're home with your family and that's stressful make sure that that you're calm and that you're you're getting along with your family and you're feeding you're, you're nourishing yourself and you're right keeping yourself like you know you're watching tv or doing whatever brings you joy you're just taking care of yourself and doing the things to just keep you okay right now and not to worry about all of the talk about becoming the best version of you she had she says it much better than I just said it and and I would actually recommend everyone to go watch it because it was really she said it so beautifully but I thought that that was a great point that like let let go of all the pressure like it's enough already with what we have going on like it's okay to just be right now you know Absolutely. I mean, I think that right now, it's okay right now for right now to be all about surviving. That's exactly what she said. That's exactly what she said. Yes. Thank you. I'll I'll check her out too then. Um, But, you know, if you're if you're surviving right now, not thriving, that's perfectly fine. I mean, I think that for so many of us, you know, we make decisions we make decisions based on the information that we have at the time. Mm -hmm. And there have certainly been times in my life where I've thought to myself, you know what I might do if I had an expanse of time with nothing going on, if I wasn't working in this, if I wasn't going into my office, if I wasn't this, if I wasn't that, um, maybe I'd write a book Mm -hmm. or maybe I would learn to speak another language or, you know, here's how I might spend that time. All of the times that I've imagined having an expanse of time to work on a thing or to gain a skill did not include the context of a global pandemic. Right. Right. <laughs> and so that's the information that I have right now. The information that I have right now is, oh my goodness, waking up in the morning and just going about my day sometimes feels like more pressure than I can bear. Right. Right. Totally. And because I have different information now than I had then. So if all I'm, and I'm using air quotes, which nobody can see because we're both together and not together at the same time, (laughs) but using my air quotes, if all, if quote, all I'm able to do is keep myself reasonably happy and reasonably healthy and keep the other people who are important to me who I'm also responsible for in that same, in that same state of being until we go to bed tonight. Mm -hmm. Then that in and of itself is a successful day as far as I'm concerned. 
I could not agree more. And that that's exactly what I was trying to say. But you said it 10,000 times better. So thank you. No, no, no. We, said it, we both said it very well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, that's exactly it. And that just resonated with me very deeply. So I, I wanted to make that point and I'm glad that you yeah. just brought it full circle. Thank you. And then before we wrap up, I want you to share any resources you have to recommend for people for now, um, just in general resources that you love regarding this topic. And then I know you have a bunch of hotlines that, that we both agreed you were going to give out. So share, share it all with us. Yeah, well, and, you know, I have, um, I have many resources to share. And truth be told, I, you know, I'm also practicing what I'm preaching and doing the best I can with trying to pull together my resources for our talk today and mm-hmm. in, in a kind of short amount of time. Um, so first, I would say, you know, for more information about this stuff, people, your listeners should absolutely feel free to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of some of what we're talking about today and some resources, um, one that I want to share, um, I think it's important to be providing resources that are accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and then also resources that might be a little bit more specific to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you are concerned about your personal safety, if you know somebody or if you have some concerns about another person, if you're looking to speak to a a trained professional, a trained volunteer, um, specifically regarding um, violence, victimization, sexual abuse, sexual assault, whether that's an adult or a child, um, I would refer people to RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Um, They have a hotline. That number is 1-800-656- Hope, which Mm -hmm. is 4673. Um, Another 24-hour hotline um, is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, And again, you may be feel you may have thoughts of hurting yourself. You may not be having thoughts of hurting yourself, but you may you may be sobbing uncontrollably, maybe for hours or maybe a couple of days on end. And maybe you know why you're feeling that way. Maybe you don't know why you're feeling that way, but you may feel like you just need somebody to talk to. Um, you could also absolutely reach out to the suicide prevention hotline if you're having thoughts of hurting yourself or if you're concerned about another person who may be feeling this way. Um, but this is another really great 24 hour a day, seven day a week resource. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, you'll be met day or night, weekday, weekend by a trained professional and or a trained volunteer um, who can help walk you through something like this and also get you connected to some local resources in your community. Um, both of these numbers, as I said, are, are national hotlines. Um, in an emergency situation, of course, um, 911 is still accessible in most, if not all, of our communities. Understandably, um, your call may be routed differently than it otherwise would, um, depending on the nature of your emergency. But certainly, anytime somebody's feeling concerned for their safety or another person's safety, 911 is an important local resource. Um, in terms of searching to find the right fit for a therapist, um, there are lots of really great online resources, one of which um, is the website Psychology Today. Um, I happen to have a profile on Psychology Today, but uh, Psychology Today is only one of several online databases that exist where you can um, 
check off like the kinds of resources that you're looking for. I'm looking for somebody who specializes in working with somebody from the LGBTQ community who also takes Aetna health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's my zip code. Um, and you can check off the different boxes and, and these um, registries will come back with a list of people. Oftentimes, um, there's a picture of who we are, there's a description of our practice, and there's lots of information that you can get, and it could help you source for some support um, locally in your community. Um, and last but not least, um, I hope that you, your listeners, will consider me to be a resource. Um, certainly, if you are uh, sitting in a state in which I'm licensed and you're looking for some support or connection, you're welcome to reach out to me. And if for any reason I'm not the best fit for you, and and sometimes I'm not, and that's okay. Or if I, um, if you're sitting in a state or region where I'm not licensed, I'm happy to serve as a resource for you, however I can. And and sometimes that's by connecting you to somebody who's a better fit for you um, than I may be. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that people will consider me a resource too. And we just also wanted to we we decided this before the episode, but. For everyone listening, if they do want to make a consultation, book an initial session with you, that you would provide them with 10% off the first session, which I thought was very, very nice of you. So thank you for doing that. So if anyone listening wants to get in touch with you and work with you, they can tell you that they they found you through the podcast and you will offer them 10% off their first session. And... In terms of books, are there any books that you have to recommend? Um, yes, there are. Um, one that I would recommend. This is this is for pleasure reading, but mm-hmm. also just if you're interested in in therapy and the nature of being a therapist. Um, maybe you should talk to somebody and um i believe it's by oh the book is called maybe Maybe you should should talk talk to to someone okay Uh yep it's called maybe you should talk to someone by Lori gottlieb that's an excellent book um that i just finished it's right here Mm -hmm. behind me um i just love hearing all of all my guests books and then i always go order them and read them so (laughs) yeah um another one um is um and I would, you know, I would encourage people. Some of some of these readings, um, I'm I'm suggesting on the fly. Um, yeah. And you know, I would really just encourage people to be thoughtful about what they read and when they read it, because mm-hmm. some of some of this material might be, um, you know, could be a bit triggering for people at times and and for and at other times could be a source of tremendous comfort also um uh the body remembers um by babette rothschild Mm -hmm. is an excellent book um it's both a book and then there's an associated workbook which talks a lot as we were saying earlier about this connection between the the brain and the body and how different information how different memories and experiences are stored um and and finally, I'll I'll recommend a really incredible incredible book. Um, and she's a fantastic speaker. If anybody has the opportunity to hear her live, you can also Google her um, to see some of her talks live. Trauma Stewardship by Laura Vandernoot Lipsky um, is a phenomenal book that talks a lot about the different ways that we experience traumatic events, both on a personal level as well as um, on a community level as well. Um, 
whether that's physical trauma or environmental trauma or immigration trauma. Um, it's a really fantastic read. It offers lots of different really practical um, coping skills and, as I said, tools to add into somebody's toolbox. Um, and and uh, Laura is just a fantastic uh dynamic speaker she injects a lot of humor into her work so i highly recommend all of these resources and in particular um checking her out online amazing thank you and last but not least where can everyone contact you yeah so um again i'm julia hockstadt i'm a licensed clinical social worker and my website is www.therapywithjulia.com Thank you for being here and just for sharing all of this information. It was so interesting, so relevant to the podcast and to what's going on in the world now. And I know that everyone listening will take a lot away from it. So thank you. I really, really appreciate it. No, thank you, Hannah. This was this was my pleasure. I'm so glad to to be part of your community. Likewise. And for everyone listening, if you want to contact the VHive, you can email us at info at and follow us on Instagram at the VHive. Check out our website, www.thevhive.com, and we will be back next week. Thanks again, Julia. Thank you. Take care. This podcast is for education purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.